Hi, I'm Estelle. I spent a decade of my life in the area of social media influence, VIP parties, and traveling the world. But it left me feeling empty, lost, and longing for something more. Now you're listening to The Purposepreneur, where I have meaningful conversations with awesome people about life, purpose, and creativity. We try to figure out who we are and what to do with our one amazing life. I hope this helps you in some way as well. Let's begin. Hello, I'm so happy today to have Ray Chi, the founder of Wholeness Wellness Bar. So Ray Chi is a good friend of mine and Wholeness Wellness Bar helps people with inner healing, counseling, emotional health, and basically just for people to walk in the fullness of who they're called to be and their destiny. Is that right, Reiti? Yeah, that's right. That's, you hit it exactly on the nail. Thanks, Estelle. Yeah, it doesn't have two parts. We focus a lot on helping people uh, break free of things that are burdening them, things that are on their hearts. So we focus a lot on helping people have a whole heart. And then we also focus a lot on having people live wholeheartedly, being their true authentic self and being equipped and empowered to walk into the fullness of all that they are and what's on their hearts. Mm -hmm. So as you can, as you guys can see, that's why we're friends, right? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like basically everything I stand for. Like, where do I sign up for this program of the heart? Yeah, so I guess that really sets the tone, which is that, I really wanted to just have a heart to heart with you. And and I thought we could talk about soul care and self-worth. So what does soul care mean to you, Reiti? So for me, when I think about the soul, I think a few different things. One is I think that includes your mind, your thoughts. Another would be like your emotions and your feelings. And then another part would be your will. So when I think about soul care, I would actually consider all three of these parts. So for instance, with my thought, like how is my thought life? How healthy is my thought life? What am I thinking? What is my inner narrative um, with my emotions? Um, first of all, straight off the bat, just to clarify, you know, emotions are a beautiful thing. Even if there's a negative emotion, I'm not someone who will deny that or I'll try and suppress it. Instead, I let myself feel whatever it is that I'm feeling so I can validate my emotions. Um, so then that level, you know, I validate my emotions. And then my will as well. I like to regularly check in like, hey, what's going on with my will? What is it that I really want to be doing? Um, things like that. So for me, self-care looks at all three of these things. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. So the reason also why I say soul care and not self-care is... I, I know, I guess there's a whole movement of self-care right now happening, right? And I think self-care or caring for ourselves is more than just bubble baths and positive affirmations. Like those things are good, but I think, it, like you said, it's so much about understanding what is in our soul. How do we live a prosperous and like healthy soul and healthy life? And And like you said, there's like mental, emotional, there's even spiritual, there's physical health, and so often we're focused so much on academics and success in Singapore and Hong Kong, where you're from uh, or where, you, where you're in right now. And, and yeah, I think that is such a need for us to take care of our soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when we think about soul care, and this is also, also related to self-worth as well, is the first thing is like, hey, do you actually believe you're worth being taken care of? 
I mean, if, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we can say there's so many parts of like your soul or like different things encompass under it. But honestly, if you don't love yourself enough and you don't think you're worth being taken care of, you're not going to even really care about it. And I think especially in our culture nowadays, it's so easy to measure like success with like all the things you can accomplish, all the things you do. And you hear people that are always pushing themselves to do more, produce more, work harder. That ultimately it's it's a really a moment where we need to pause and ask ourselves in the midst of all of just all of this doing, am I worth being taken care of? And that wow. I think is actually the heart, the heart behind soul care as well is that question of self-worth. Am I worth being taken care of? Or am I just going to be someone who just keeps working harder and harder and harder to achieve something? Yeah, I love like what you said about doing and how our societies and cultures have, you know, prized us so much based on what we do, right? So like you say, like growing up, we're defined by like what school we go to, you know, um, whether it's like a good school, whether it's like um, a neighborhood school, whether it's an Ivy League school. And I think, okay, even if, our families don't put pressure on us. I feel like sometimes we put pressure on ourselves, you know, and we compare, we are like constantly comparing ourselves to what someone else has achieved. And especially as an entrepreneur, which we both are, uh, or as a creative, it is very damaging. um, And it's something I'm also personally always checking myself with and saying, hey, um, you know, what defines me? Like if I'm not producing as much in one season and I think that I'm doing um, a lot less paid work, but I'm doing maybe, and and like, you know, for me, I've been like investing a lot more into people's lives in the last two years, like, like, and I'm not making as much money. It's so easy. And I have right felt really, really lousy about myself because yeah, we so often look to like define ourselves by, okay, what cool projects are we working on? What was the outcome? You know, how much money are we making from this and that? And actually, yeah, in different seasons, I feel like there are different tasks that sometimes we're even um, called to do. And it's really just being about being faithful in that season, perhaps. Yeah. And not trying to run the hamster wheel and, and do as much as everybody else. Yeah. It's really about being, before doing. So doing is good, but it's really about the being before the doing. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it really isn't just about doing, doing, doing. And I mean, you could do a lot, but it might not have much meaning to you, right? I think even with what you're sharing just now, I was thinking about like, hey, how do we really define success? And I believe that mm, success- That's a good point. Success, yeah, success can look different in every season. And is success really defined by society and what it expects of you? or even the people who have um, impact and influence in your life, do they get to define success for you or do you get to? How would you personally define success? And as seasons change, what would success in that particular season look like? Wow. So what does success look like to you? Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, like I said, success looks different in every season. Right. So how about Um, maybe this season? I mean, it looks different every season, but for me, my ultimate definitions of success is like, well, I'm actually a believer, right? So my faith comes into play in this. So for me, success actually looks like in this season, how am I loving God? Am I loving him well with what he's given me and with what he's called me to do? Have I been faithful with that? But for me at the heart of it, um, as someone who 
really, yeah, I really care a lot about God and what he thinks. Then for me, success is always about like uh, my relationship with him and how I'm growing in that. Nice. Yeah, for me, I think success looks like, you know, a little bit of what we chatted about before. It's about making the most of my present. And I think like with COVID, it's so hard to live in the present. And we realize that we've always been living for like the next holiday, you know, and like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next cool thing as an entrepreneur we get to work on um, or the next project we should be getting or the next client that I should be um, working with. So being now forced to not travel and be in this uncertain place and not even not even have a lot of work to define my worth, right? It's also forcing me to just rethink about what do I care about? Who am I? Yeah, how do I want to make sense of the world? What do I want it to say on like my tombstone, you know, at the Uh end of my life? You know, and all Mm -hmm. those sort of existential questions, I guess. But I think ultimately that's what success is, right? It's, It's like, how do you want to live a full life and... What does that look like for you? Yeah, and I think it's so unique as well. You know, like some people are called to speak in public and some people have a platform and followers, but some people are just called to, um, or they're just wired differently. Yeah. And and we have different gifts, yeah. different things that make us who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even with success, like as you're sure, you made me think, it's like really tied into our values too. Like what do mm. we value? So for instance, like I'm a very um, people oriented person. Like, I actually really yeah. care about people. So for me, like throughout my seasons, like success actually also looks like in my interactions with people and my relationship with them, that, you know, how have I um, helped someone or how have I called out the best in someone or what does it look like in my relationships right now? How healthy and how strong are they? Those are actually indicators of success for me as well. But that's because I really value people. I value um, seeing them grow that's actually a big value to me um, and for other people they're less like people oriented which is totally okay because we're just wired differently but for them like you know success might be linked more to what they see um, in terms of what they produce and that's okay as well I think at the end of the day it's like based on your values based on what matters to you then that's also tied to success wow so good no I love that that is such a great point hmm Yeah. I'm even just thinking about the iceberg, you know? Um, So, you know, we know that behavior is only the top of the iceberg or the tip of the iceberg, right? The top 10%. And then under the iceberg, you have your thoughts, your feelings, your values, your beliefs, your needs. Yeah. The needs of our heart and our lives and and it's just like what you said, you know, what are we thinking? What are we feeling? What do we value? What do we believe? All that ultimately makes us who we are, different layers. So that's why I'm never, I'm never really a fan of like behavior change. You know, I don't believe in that because I've tried to change so many things in my life. Like I used to smoke. I used to, um, yeah, party a lot. And I used to have just a lot of addictive behaviors as well. Like I used to watch porn like seven to 10 times a day. And it was such a huge bondage um, and such a hold over my life. And and I did that for so many years growing up. You know, it was this like secret thing that just ate me up and it really causes you to not function well and, and 
and yeah, you know, I, I was just really quite a mess. And my imagination was just really, it was just awful of, it was just awful of rubbish, right? So going through this journey of like purpose and transformation in my life has also, I think has also happened because I started looking at my thoughts. Like what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What um, am I believing about? Not just the world and about others, but myself. Yeah. And I'm also just thinking about like some conversations I had with some of my young friends recently. Um, they're, they're amazing. And I love the way that they're also exploring who they are in their lives. And I'm also just thinking about how, you know, for example, if we have a, a, a deep need, right? Um, or like unmet need, for example. And as a result, we have a very, very strong belief that we're rejected. Then it, that belief eats up and it, it becomes a cycle in so many areas of our life. It affects our work. It affects our friendships. It affects the people and the, and the relationships or like the future partners that we have. It affects how we behave. It affects the choices that we make. Yeah. So I think all that, I guess, also ties into self-worth, right? Like who we are or who we think we are affects a lot of the decisions and the choices that we make or that we don't make. Yeah. Have you found that to be true in your own life as well? Well, I mean, I think just someone you're sharing, one thing that really jumped out at me was when you're talking about having needs, right? And unmet needs. And I think at the heart of it is really realizing, you know, as human beings, we're made to have needs. <laughs> having needs is okay. And, you know, so many times, like growing up, whether it's our parents or even other people, they try and um, invalidate a need that we have. And that's when we start having all those beliefs where it's like, oh, you know, this isn't important. Or like, you know, maybe I don't need to do this. Or like, because your parent told you, oh, or because your parent told you something, then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this shouldn't be okay. Um, but anyway, so... Yeah, I was just thinking like at the heart of it is like we need to validate those needs and know that it's okay. And then after we validate those needs, then it's like we also need to find healthy ways to be meeting those needs. I think a lot of times it's when those needs that are legitimate don't get met, then we try and find other ways to fulfill that. And then that alone then can spiral into a whole other thing as well. And then also um, when you're talking about belief systems, then that's when that all comes into play and it becomes a whole vicious cycle. Wow, that's so powerful. I feel like what you're saying, I just thought of another, of a, I guess a little story that I heard before. Um, so I was, in a, I was in a sermon um, at Father Heart and one of the things that the speaker said was, little kids learn to masturbate because they lack comfort. And I was like, whoa, like it never struck me, like you said, that I, ne I never made that link, right? Between like how we watch porn or how people um, do a lot of things that can actually lead to a lot of long-term damage in our lives. Like, you know, porn is, is really bad because what it does is that it creates a self-loop. It creates like this, this, counterfeit relationship where you're meeting your own needs and what is actually meant 
to bring us into relationship with someone else and create intimacy with someone else. Instead, you are feeding yourself and you're satisfying yourself. And it, it's like this self loop, like basically becomes very, very self-centered. So it's really bad for the brain as well. Like, I think there's a website called yourbrainonporn.com or yeah, something like that. And and I think that that has more information as well. So I don't, I don't know why I'm talking about this. As you know, we didn't like, we didn't plan this at all, right? But but what, yeah, what she said was, you know, when we're born in this world as a child, we have these needs. And as a baby, you suck your thumb. So you have, you know, and you're sucking your thumb. And when you don't meet, and when you, and that's a way of self-soothing. And when we stop self-soothing ourselves, um, or we don't, get comforted in some in healthy ways then we look for unhealthy ways to comfort ourselves yeah it's all about i think us humans we need so much comfort you know comfort me comfort me reiti yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting you bring that up because it's true even with different people i've worked with who um, are working through different things related to porn behind that is actually i'll actually ask them to also look into like oh what is the actual need behind that like what is it that is like leading you to actually, um, you know, look at porn or if there are other ways that they're self-soothing, then it's also like, what is actually going on behind that? Like you were saying earlier about the iceberg as well. It's never just about the behavior or the tip of the iceberg. It's what's going on underneath. And that's part of the reason why being self-aware is so important. Knowing yourself, yeah. knowing your needs, knowing how to meet those needs in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, like for me, when I think about my journey and for me, it's been like more than five years that I've not watched porn and I've not touched anything like that. So it's amazing. I've had so much freedom in that area. So it really is possible, right? Because um, for me, since I was really, really young, like I think like even like eight, nine, 10 years old, I was a very, very sexual child. And I don't even really know where that comes from because my parents are good Christian parents. So, so yeah, anyway, I mean, sometimes they're childhood memories and they're things like that. And that's why, you know, we have people like you and other therapists and counselors, which can really, really help to bring healing to those areas so that we can live that, that, that life of wholeness, that life of fullness, that healthy life. I think that, that we're all called to live. Yeah. 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 I think at the end of the day, it also just circles back to that question you asked me at the very beginning about soul care and I think beyond just like soul care it's like the more wider question of how are you taking care of yourself how are you loving yourself and linked to that is self-worth do you see yourself worthy to be cared for because you know what if you do love yourself you know if you know your needs and you know how to meet them in a healthy way that's good for you and you love yourself and you find yourself worthy of doing it then you will be doing that right yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, what is your, maybe, yeah, what is your rhythm, whether daily or weekly, or what are some of your self-care or soul care kind of routines like? So for me, like most basic that I always have in place is for me, I know sleep really matters to me. So I know I get very affected if I don't get enough sleep. So for me, I have a minimum of eight hours of sleep. I know for me, like, uh, physically, things like eating well, um, water, hydration, exercise, like those are all things that I know actually really affect me. It's not just a physical thing because obviously I don't want to get sick. But that aside, I also know on a day-to-day -day basis for me to function well, I really need those things. Um, so I always have that. 
But other than that, for me, like my rhythms actually change every week. And again, if you hear me talk, I'm always going to go on and on about being self-aware and knowing yourself because everyone's needs for self-care is different, right? Like some people, they can really unwind or they can really get what they need through like, maybe they like to go out and take a walk or they need exercise or they need lots of social time or some people, they just need a lot of introvert time, whatever it is, it's different for everyone. So what's most important is to know yourself and know what you need. So for me, that, that actually looks different every week based on my schedule. If one week I'm always, always talking to people, then I will also be able to pause and check in with myself and I'll be like, hey, like, oh, what is it that I need? And I might realize, oh, you know what? I spent all week talking to people like 50 Zoom calls in like five days type of thing. Oh my gosh. Do you do that like, many just, Zoom calls a just week? Just an example. Okay, just okay. an example. Okay. Yeah, but... No, that actually has happened. But anyways, oh, <laughs> yeah. So then I'll know, okay, you know what? For me, taking care of myself this yeah. week would actually look like having some quiet time, whether that's reading or journaling, whatever it is. And then like other weeks, I'm like, oh, wow, I've had a lot of time to myself this week. And I feel I need to be around people to be more energized. So then maybe I'll go meet up with a friend for coffee. Maybe I'll go for a walk with someone, watch a movie. So again, for me, um, I'm very self-aware. So when I talk about self-care, I always think, make sure you actually know what you need. So it doesn't really matter if you're taking a bubble bath, but what you need is not a bubble bath. Or say like, you know, you're getting a massage, but that's not what you need. The point is, whatever you do, just make sure it actually addresses what you really need. That's so good. Yeah, like I'm just thinking about how even about myself, like how does it look like for me? And it's quite unpredictable, right? So usually I look at my schedule and I try to make sure there's a lot of blanks so that I'm not like busy, busy, busy. I'm not hustling. I'm not like packing myself out. And I think that's the whole, I think that's the issue I have sometimes with like the whole Silicon Valley tech culture um, that sets the culture for entrepreneurship. You know, like it's so move fast and break things. And and I, I think it's admirable that a lot of companies are doing great work and I think that's important and that's necessary. But I think sometimes we need to forget, we, we cannot forget that we are human and we need to be in tune with our own human needs. And like you say, it's all very unique as well. Yeah. Yeah. So are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? What do you think? Are you energized or does it, does it drain you spending time with people? Um, I think I've definitely gotten more extroverted over the years. Uh, right now, I'm a pretty good mix of both. So, I mean, everyone needs both, right? But I would say I'm actually split pretty equally down both both sides. Uh, I lean more towards being introverted, but I need both. Nice. How about you? Guess whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Mm. I think you're an extroverted introvert or introverted extrovert (laughs) yeah I can't quite make up my mind I mean so it's interesting like I'm thinking even about how people change right like so in the past I used to party a lot and I would I actually literally babe I can meet a hundred people a day so I could meet like a bunch of people for like a brunch, then I can have coffee with someone, then I'll have lunch with someone else, then I'll have coffee with like a couple more people, and then I'll have like drinks, pre-dinner drinks with like two, three groups of people. I'll have dinner with a group of people, then I'll go to like four clubs and then we'll go to supper. 
And so you can imagine, like, I, I mean, that's like 200 people. Like I literally can speak to 200 people and it energizes me. So I had a lot of passion. I had a lot of energy and I love people. And it's always, I think it's always been a part of me. But sometimes I think looking back, maybe I was driven by a need for approval, you know, like wanting to be seen, very much wanting to connect with people, but not not even like you say, being aware of what my desires are. So a lot of my behavior was just me running around the clubs a lot and meeting a lot, a lot of people all the time and also not even having like understanding of boundaries, which is such an important part of self-worth, you know, and understanding what makes you who you are and what makes you who you're not, right? Because we all have like a shape and form to who we are and there are things that make us who we are and it's also knowing what we don't like, right? That makes us who we're not. So if I'm saying yes to everything, which I used to do, and so I still struggle with that sometimes. I'm still trying to draw boundaries in my own life, but but I, would, I think I had a lot of passion but no purpose. And I had a lot of friends, but no boundaries. And underneath it all, maybe I wasn't even aware, like like you talk about awareness of what's driving me. And I think the last few years for me has been such a huge personal journey of just wanting to understand myself, wanting to understand um, these drivers, right? These, these motivations, whether they were healthy, are they unhealthy? And again, you know, like you said, it's, I, I'm totally aligned with that emotions are not bad, right? There are, there are healthy emotions um, and there are healthy ways to process emotions. So even anger, for example, anger is a healthy emotion, but if you're angry all the time or you're always angry and always when you express it in an unhealthy way, like you want to kill someone or you want to hit someone, then that's where it becomes unhealthy. So emotions help us to know there's something wrong it's like a warning signal that goes, hello, excuse yeah. me, excuse me, excuse me, you know, yeah. pay attention, I'm here. But but yeah, so I think being aware of our emotions, our needs, our beliefs, what's driving you, yeah, is a big part of, of, of growth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. And I love what you're saying about how like, emotions are like the warning signals, right? That's actually one thing I always like to say about emotions. They're like the indicator, like the emotion itself, whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion, that in itself, the emotion is neutral, right? It's more actually what you do with your emotion that makes it either healthy or unhealthy. So the emotion can be an indicator of, hey, there's something underneath I need to deal with, or hey, there's something going on, or hey, I need to pay attention. And then it's what you choose to do with that, that is either healthy or not healthy. Because you can have very healthy ways of processing and working through negative emotions or emotions that are difficult to deal with. But as long as you have a healthy way to deal with it, then you can actually come out of that having gained and learned so much more. So the emotion itself, it's not, it's really not either a bad thing or a good thing. It's just really something you're experiencing. It's just how you deal with it that actually makes a difference. Yeah. It just reminds me of, um, a workshop, a workshop that I ran in COVID period, right? With my friend Jones, shout out to Jones. So he runs something called Emotions Run Wild. Uh, he's an EQ, um, emotional intelligence coach. And he often says that emotions are energy in motion. Yeah. And emotions are just information. And I think mm. he also, I'm really grateful for him because running the workshops with him, uh, I just really wanted to, 
share with people more about emotional intelligence. And he was a perfect partner for that. And I learned so much in that process as well, like you say, about understanding actually emotions are not bad, right? There's no positive and negative emotions. It's just indicators. It's just information. And in fact, it it moves as well. Like, you know, and there's, and there's energy to it. It's also what we want to do about it. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. What is one thing that you are now thinking about from this episode? Take some time to write it down and feel free to share it with me as well. By the way, it would help me so much if you can leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks guys and see you next time on The Purposepreneur.